A new Star Wars journey begins in the place all good journeys begin. At, well, the beginning. This Star Wars Day, I'm excited to introduce the new Star Wars Canon Timeline Podcast, where we will piece together the complete story of that galaxy far, far away, in timeline order, from the dawn of the Jedi through the great unknown following the sequel trilogy. This is a podcast for both Star Wars superfans and complete newbies. Listen to the short intro episode now to hear how it works and what to expect over the coming weeks as we set the stage for the new television series, The Acolyte, which we will be covering with weekly breakdowns. Subscribe to the Star Wars Canon Timeline podcast wherever you listen to take part in one of the most epic and expansive stories ever told, following all the twists and turns from start to finish. May the 4th be with you all, all month and beyond. Welcome to the Wheel of Time podcast. We are the Lorehounds, your guides to Randland. I'm David. And I'm John. And this is our coverage of the Amazon Prime original series, The Wheel of Time. In this podcast, we're going to do a scene-by-scene breakdown of Season 2, Episode 1, A Taste of Solitude. Be sure to stick around to the end of the podcast for programming notes about our podcasting schedule for the rest of September. For early and ad-free access and exclusive content, visit us at patreon.com slash the lorehounds. If you are enjoying what we are recording and you want to maybe give us a leg up, consider leaving us a review and or a rating on Apple Podcasts. Ratings and reviews help people find our podcast even in the ideal wastes. We love to respond to your questions, thoughts, and theories on air, so send us feedback for the next episode we record. As a reminder, we're recording these episodes in advance with screeners, so your feedback may be read later on. Send emails to wot at thelorehounds.com or head to our website and there you can use our nifty voicemail feature or there's a contact form. Um, You can also post a message in our Discord server and we can include those as well. We've got an active community. We've got a channel set up. We've got, I think you even got a book spoiler channel set up. We do. It got to be such a big conversation. Right. It was was getting tricky with people with spoiler tags. So (laughs) we have to silo this off. Nice silo. Hello. Um, so yeah, it's links in the show notes for all of those things. Um, yeah, join us in the community. Send us your feedback. We're really excited about this season, and we're looking forward to your fan theories, feedback, comments about production, all that good stuff. It's a pretty mysterious plot this season. It seems like already. So I, I hope people will write in because we got we got a lot to talk about. That makes that makes me happy to hear that from such a devotee you're i mean such a fan of the books that you oh are. no i know what's happening oh okay <laughs> there's a good mystery there for if you don't yeah i i don't i mean i think one of the things that i would be excited for is for book readers to feel excited mm-hmm. and to feel like they're being surprised and delighted by all the material even if they know what it is mm-hmm. to still see how things are being done or rolled out that that means yeah. that yeah. they're really thinking about the production in a lot of ways yeah, I mean, there are things that I don't know how they're going to execute because yes. there's a lot of different moving parts here than right. in the books at this point. Right. But I can see where they're taking the plot points and 
molding them into a made for tv thing i i think uh i'll save my general impressions for a moment from now uh but this is actually a pretty good segue to our background on this yes which is that (laughs) you have not read the books i i am so far out of the loop on this that i didn't even know who robert jordan was (laughs) and i feel weird about that because i do enjoy a lot of science fiction and fantasy stuff and i just don't know how i missed uh all of these these books and this huge fandom. And so I mean, there's I've, 14 of them on the shelf. How'd you miss them at the library? No, I don't know. It's just one of those things. Um, so yeah, we watched, I watched season one. That was my first um, entree into the the franchise, to the world, to the, mm-hmm. the storylines. And uh, so here I am sitting on the cusp of season two, uh, really ready to learn and partake. And, and I think Part of our construction for the podcast is that I'm sort of the audience proxy who who similarly has not engaged with right. uh, these right. worlds before. And so I think um, for me, it's going to be a lot of learning and validating and confirming and, and trying to understand uh, this big storyline that we're getting. Right. Yeah. So I have read the books. I've a read lot. the whole series <laughs> once. I've read many of the books several times. And I often keep it running when I'm falling asleep because it's soothing to me and I feel comfortable in that world. Nice. So I've read many of the scenes or I've listened to many of the scenes many times. Are you taking the I've... warm bath like uh, Moraine is in the bathing in the water <laughs> in the words of oh, uh, Jordan? Oh, boy. That's something we have to discuss when we get in. But all they right, are right. making this show a lot more the Moraine show uh-huh. than it is in the books. Okay. Moiraine is not quite as central in the books. Interesting. And I think it's just because they have Rosamund Pike. Right. Right. And you use her, right? Yeah. You know. Right. But I'm also, I'm still on the fence. I haven't made my decision. I have not decided if that's going to be a good thing or a bad thing because I think Moiraine works best when she's a little mysterious. And I okay. don't know if we're getting that. So, yeah, well, maybe, maybe we'll, um, well, yeah, well, I mean, we've just got one episode, right? So we have a whole right. lot more to go. Right. We don't, we haven't even really shifted focus to a lot of the other characters deeply. So, right. yeah. Right. Cool. Uh, so we do have screeners, as we mentioned, but we're not watching ahead. So you and I have not watched episode two. Correct. Uh, we're going to be recording these, you know, a few days apart so that we have time to prep, but these are all going to drop the day of the premiere, the triple premiere. Right. So Friday, September 1st, these should all be in your feed a couple hours apart. That way it has time to populate the feeds. And we don't annoy people with several different notifications at the same time. Right. Fair enough. All right. And we're not going to spoil the books. We're not going to spoil future in the books. We'll talk about comparisons with things that have happened in the show. Right. uh, And the books. But that's it. That's all we're going to talk about with the books. We're not going to, you know, I'm not going to use my book knowledge to be like, I know what's what's going to happen. It's (laughs) you don't want to prance around with a little. It gets annoying when you have that. It on does. a podcast, it's going to get annoying. So I'm not going to do that. I'm going to, you know, I'm not, I'm just not going to comment on something that I know, you know? Sure. Fair enough. Do we have a code yeah. word? Do we have our own code word? Oh, um, uh, the wheel weaves. That's what I'm going to say. All oh, right. Perfect. I like it. All the right. wheel weaves is the wheel wells. Uh, speaking of, of weaving wheels, uh, we have a white tower segment that yes, is going we do. to happen. You want to talk a little bit about that? Yeah, so Alicia, who you might know from our MC Universe podcast, she's a co-host, and she has her own feed on our network called Woolshift Dust, where she's currently going through the Dune series and not just, it's a strange thing. We'll talk about it more at the end, but it's not straightforward as just the books. It's the books, the video games, the movies, 
the whole Dune world. Anyway, when she's not buried in sand, she is going to be with me <laughs> at the end of every episode, except uh, we're going to start the third episode because it's right. all coming out the same day. We don't want to regurgitate exactly what we're saying three times. Right. So we're going to start the third episode. Then we're going to start talking book spoilers at the end right. of the third episode. That will be clearly marked. We will say David is leaving. And when right, David I'll leaves, hustle everybody out are, with me, yep. the book spoilers will begin. And so you will have a chance to leave. Do not worry. All right, I think that is basically it for structural notes. I think it's time for hot takes. Well, my, I guess, take on this is, um, I guess I'm sitting in a bath of lukewarm water, <laughs> like okay. Moraine here. Uh, I had to do a lot of work to remember who these characters were, mm -hmm. what had gone on. I mean, I did, I, I watched the whole episode, including, you know, the, obviously the, um, Previously, previously, I, I thought the recap season. was well done. I thought yeah, it, was, it was pretty I think thorough. So. It, and even so, not being a uh, person very familiar with these and, and the, you know, season one, we watched it a while. I, I didn't I haven't rewatched it in a while. It was last year. Obviously, there were issues around production and all kinds of other things. And so uh, I just noticed myself going, wait, oh, who is that character again? Wait, how, how are these people? Okay, I don't know what this is, but I'm just going to set it aside and trust that the story is going to unfold and you'll explain things to me and, you know, uh, that kind of um, attitude. Yeah, just we'll like, get okay, I, I'm going on a ride here. I'm yep. just going to go for it. This felt like a very episode one episode for me. Mm -hmm. It was not hot. It wasn't cold. Um, right. we had, um, you know, it's a beautiful looking show. I think they learned a lot from rings of power and are applying, mm -hmm. um, some of those post-production techniques to the visuals here. Yeah. And they even said in an AMA, uh, Rafe Judkins said in an AMA over the season break, we're reworking the weaves for season two. And I think they right. did much better with the okay. weaves, with the All magic right. system visuals cool. in season two. I, I don't have an opinion yet. I suppose I'd have to go back and look at a season one uh, episode mm -hmm. to really compare. They look nice. They look fine. Yeah, right? yeah. Like well, I season didn't... one had that like wispy. Everything was white mm -hmm. for the men, black, uh, white for the women, black for the men. It wasn't changing for the different elements. Now, I will tell you that the books say it's invisible to anyone who can't channel. And even the people who can channel, it's just kind of a glow. It's not like you can. It's not like it's this corporeal. Okay. So this is a show creation, and I think it's a good thing that they added it because we need it, it. helps you I need it. as a viewer. Yeah. That's a good TD, TV adaptation. But I don't think they nailed it season one, and I think they really did a much better job this season already. Okay, that's good to hear. I'm I'm glad. Um, but yeah, otherwise, I think it. Like I was saying, it's it's a it was a solid episode one for season two, bringing us back in the world, giving us the updates on where everybody is and sort of the, the state of play. I like that they held back um, any of the storylines with Rand to, you know, wait, wait till yeah, the end. Yeah. Cause the whole episode that kept my energy up, like, okay, where is he? Where is he? Where is he? What's going on with him? Right. And, and then they, you know, just gave us a little bit at the end. And I felt like they that's, seasoned it with Rand. Exactly. It's, it was nice. It was like salt, right? A little too much. And it's, you can't, well, I think they more enough. seasoned it with ginger. Oh, oh all right, oh, all right, easy, John, easy. Uh, but it's good. That was a, that was a good little joke. Uh, so yeah, so yeah, I'm I've, I'm feeling fine. 
Um, like I said, not hot, not cold. I'm I'm in the world and I'm ready to go. Cool. Well, since we're ready to go, I think it's time to get into our episode breakdown. Well, wait, what about you? What's oh, I, I didn't get my hot takes, did I? No, you didn't. You got to right. have your hot cakes. I thought it was takes. great. I was okay. hot on this episode. <laughs> yeah. Uh, part of it was they really nailed a couple set pieces from okay. the books. They really right. nailed the Dark Friend Social, which is the opening scene, right. uh, which is the I believe it's in the prologue of book two. So it is it is the opener of book two. Got it. And they they just ripped that right out of the book. It was done differently, mm-hmm. but done in a way that worked really well for TV. Mm-hmm. And I loved it. I loved it. I loved how they hinted at the different people who were there. Yeah, yeah, lots and of they, uh, I've I've written down the clues so that we can okay. discuss them as we get there. But cool. I really like that. I really like the scene with Moiraine, Lan, and the uh, Mirdrals around. Mm-hmm. That was great. Oh that right, yeah, great. yeah. That 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 That's fight straight out of the, the books too. Okay. Yeah, that was a little bit hair raising, right? We had some, yeah. That we'll, we'll talk about it when we get there. I guess it was it was pretty intense, and they right. they I I was surprised at the to the degree that they went with what happened in the fight. Okay. It was not an easy fight for Morgan no, Land. It wasn't, and I I like that though. I like that because there's there's this thing where I think it's season one. Moiraine felt very, very powerful most of the time. Right. Mm-hmm. And in the books, they make very clear that one eye to die is not enough to fight off an army. You know, mm-hmm. they can work together and do that, but it's really not. It's not possible for someone to really fight off an army alone. And I like that they're limited like that. I like that they're not these you know godlike beings running around. Um. So I, I'm I'm really excited to see more. I'm really hot on the season. I'm hoping that it continues to impress me and all good things so far. Okay, cool. That's a good starting. I'm happy. Cool. All right. I'm going to start the scene by scene breakdown here. So sounds good. Uh, if you haven't been with us before, basically one of us will read a synopsis of a scene. The other one will begin the reaction and then we'll talk about it. Sounds good. All right. We open on a drone shot of a six pointed building. A young girl runs from Trollocs and bursts into the house, hiding under a table where a group of people are having a meeting, including the Dark One and Padden Fane. The Dark One looks under the table and calls the girl out. When she confirms there's a monster outside, he opines on the things people call him and the other Chosen, including monsters, father of lies, betrayer of hope, and forsaken. He takes the girl out to the Trollocs and says they're just hungry. He pets one, has her do the same, and asks if he she thinks he's a monster, to which she responds, no. What did you think of this scene, David? The Dark Friend Social. It was interesting in as much as I... When we were talking in pre-production, it came up that at the end of season eight, they had thrown in a new scene. Season eight. Sorry, episode eight episode of season eight, yep. one. Yeah. Yep. And so I went back and, and I watched that. And I was like, oh, okay, this is interesting. And then we started this up and it was the same scene. And I was like, oh, right, okay. Yeah. They yeah. just give you the first scene of season two. Exactly. And so I watched it twice in in that regard. And I thought it was interesting. The little girl is compelling. And, uh, you know, the Trollocs are running at her. And I was like, oh, okay, you know, here we go. You know, a peaceful little village house, whatever, being attacked by monsters. Yep. Nope. Inside, there's a whole bunch of other villainous people. Yep. yep. Um, 
I really like, like you were saying before about how they deployed this scene because in a, in a written way, it could be the, the point of view and the, and the description is, it's going to be handled very differently. And then, so having the little girl underneath seeing all the boots and all the little clues and that kind of stuff, I thought that was, uh, it was really great. So, um, I, I noticed a few other things too, in the courtyard in front where she was playing amongst, there were five stone statues with a, a yin yang style symbol on them. Mm-hmm. And one of them was laying on the side broken. Ah, okay. That's so, interesting. It, I didn't catch that. Oh yeah. Yeah. It, there's a big stone things. And then it, at some point there's a pan back and you can see that there's four other ones. Right. So I want to talk about who is under, who is at the table. Yes. Because there are clues that you can, as the viewer, currently figure out the factions of the different attendees, at least. Okay. Uh, I'm going to give you the clues. David, I'm going to see if you can figure out who it is as we go. <laughs> I'm going to have a hard time doing that. I don't know how much I should say because I know I know who everybody is at this table. Okay. Okay. Um, yeah, this is, this is a recreation of who's at the table. But uh, let me give you the clues here. Uh, we see the hands and garb of them under the table, uh, including one with two extremely long fingernails on each hand, one with a great serpent ring, uh-huh. and one wearing the emblem of a hawk. So let's start with fingernail. I, that, you know, I'm, I'm still so new to the world that I'm, I'm really uh, unsure a lot, but um, I can say, so I'm just taking wild swings here. So apologies if I, mm-hmm. if I get things right or wrong. The fingernails, is that the boat people that came at the end of season It does two? match that, doesn't it? That's the only thing that I can think it of. It does that, match that is the a look. Really stylized and kind of over the top um, uh, look to their their garb and stuff. Right. The hawk people, aren't they the people that they were with at the big battle at the end out on the yep. wastelands? Isn't that lands people? No, well, it's not really lands people. They're... It's two different nations, but it's he's friends with them. Yeah, he was he was basically raised there. Yeah. Okay, got it. Yeah. And then the 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 black stone thing isn't the 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 rings are Aes Sedai. That is an Aes Sedai ring, correct? But then we have those other people. Who I apologize, I don't remember their names. They walk around in white and they like basically kill Aes Sedai. The white cloaks. The white cloaks. Yeah. Well, there you go. But they don't wear the rings. They wouldn't wear the rings. No, but that, that's them. what it made me think of is, is that they have those dangling, uh, yeah. you know, of all yeah. of the ones that they've, they've eliminated. So speaking of the white cloaks, we did see some white gloves on top totally. of the table. And white cufflinks. Mm-hmm. So, so it does seem that there could be a white cloak among these people. Right. I think those are all the clues we get to people, but um, there's, I, yeah, I think we've we've gone over everyone we can. Okay. I want to talk about what the Dark One says to her. Um, they call the other Chosen and yes. I terrible things. What does that mean to you? The other Chosen. So uh, um, is he, are he, they, are, 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 um, are, protagonists are they chosen are they all Well, he called himself and the other chosen he said right that's what i mean or who who else is chosen right who else can be chosen chosen by whom by what the weave i'm guessing great question 
great so question. So power, pa- the you know beings that have been uh, that are are important to the, the the wheel turning and and all of that kind of stuff. And the only other kind of primary characters I can think of is our our primary protagonists, right? Uh, okay. Nynaeve and Egwene and um, uh, everybody else. So right. are they chosen? I, I don't know. I mean, is Rand chosen? I don't know. I guess I'm, I don't have enough information yet right. to be, right. it, but it is, a, I think it's a really good question. Like me yeah. and the other chosen, who's, who are the other chosen? They drop a lot of names and lore here that I was honestly surprised they did at this point. Okay. And I think that it doesn't make sense out of context. And when you go back and rewatch it, you'll see that they were given the whole plot away here. Oh, nice. Okay, cool. Scene, I like that. I like which that. Which will be great. And I'll just say the wheel weaves here. Because the the nice thing when they do that type of stuff is for people who are really familiar with the property, they get excited. And you're like, okay, cool, yeah, we're going on that's, a journey. That's why I love the scene so much. Right. And then for us, for that we don't know, we, we don't know that we don't know. It's like, okay, you know, whatever. <laughs> you know, it's, it's a cool scene. It's interesting. Great. And yeah, right. on a rewatch, it'll be more fun. So right at the right as they're walking out to go look at the Trollocs, um, there was the guy who was at the market who at the very beginning of season one, uh, Patton yep. Fane. Patton Fane, yep. Right, and he's the guy who stole the horde of Valir at the end of the season. Right, that's it. Right, okay. So uh, and that's and they're hunting with Perrin. Right, 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 right. I knew that they were hunting somebody. I wasn't quite sure. I thought it was him, but I, I wasn't. Um, so, but if he has the horn, why is the horn here at this? council thing good question i would say probably okay we see the horn in in other trailer shots you know in in teasers for the rest of the season so and and is the is the little girl she's a total show construction right she is not in yeah 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 she's not there in the books okay um in fact they don't even meet in this area in actually i guess i guess that might not be true they don't they don't meet quite at this area in the book okay and then the last question is, does the shape of the building that they're meeting in have any significance that you can at least we, Alicia confirm? and I have a book theory. Alicia okay. and I have a book theory. It's not something that is in the books, but we think we know where they're going with it based on the books. Okay. But cool. we'll, we'll save that for the White Tower. Yeah, yeah, no, fair enough. I just noticed that like that was a very specific building that they yeah. made sure that we saw with yeah. the drone shot looking straight down so that we really got the structure of this thing. Yeah. I agree. So regarding the Horn of Valir, yeah, the whole second book is called The Great Hunt, and it's the hunt for the Horn of Valir. Mm-hmm. It's that's going to be this thing that you need to follow throughout. So this, this is the season. MacGuffin for the season. That's probably the MacGuffin for at least part of the season because we know they're combining books two and three here. So now with the horn, that's a, a necessary condition for the last battle. It has to be at the last battle. Right. That's yep. what I remember from season one was yep. uh, that that is a necessary element to the last battle being the last battle. Right. Now, I don't know. I don't know how much they're going to give us right away about what the horn does and why it needs to be at the last battle. Okay. So I will leave that for now and save that for when that comes up in the show. I will say that the shots that we have seen of it in the trailers and such, uh, it's a cool mm-hmm. looking prop yeah (laughs) i hope they had fun making that because it looks dope yeah it does look cool all right let's move on to the next scene after an abbreviated title sequence which was a a little strange i'm surprised they didn't do the full theme song okay 
Uh, we see Moiraine carrying two pails of water up a hill and doing a variety of other chores with a despondent expression before crying in the bath. Outside, Lan trains with his sword. Aes Sedai, Varen, and Adelaus, and Varen's warder, Tomas, greet Lan on his way to tell Moiraine she's getting her 20th visitor. We learn Moiraine has been shutting him out. Lan then introduces Moiraine's visitor from Ilium, who turns out to be Bale Doman. A lot of names there. Yeah. Some of them were not given in this, but they are in the credits, so I'm not spoiling anything. Okay. Uh, and also, I will mention that this is a very brilliant condensation of... Is condensation the right word? No. It's a Con- brilliant... Yeah, no. condensing. A condensing, condensing, condensing. Yes. We're not, we're not getting water. Do not, do not at John on on yeah, Apple Podcast yeah. reviews for yeah. <laughs> language choices. Yeah. yeah. Um, so anyway, there's a brilliant condensing here of book material because uh, Varen is not here in the books. There's a different Aes Sedai, but they've just replaced her with Varen, who is a character who is really great but doesn't show up in this way. And this is a great way to bring different characters together. So I'm really glad they did this. Uh, so we've got two Aes Sedai and uh, we're hosting Moiraine and Lan. So this is one of those beyond the Moiraine and Lan stuff with the with these other three. I was a little confused. I don't remember them from season one. I They um, weren't in it. Yeah, okay. they, they're they're new. They've they cast Varen for season two. I remember. Oh, phew. I was worried that yeah, I, you're was, good. I was you're missing good. something, that I should have known something. I was getting nervous about this. You're all good. All new people. So these, um, so Varen and uh, Adelaus Ad- 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 um, and Tomas, mm-hmm. are, are they retired? No, in- uh, Adelaus might be. I think she is in the book, mm-hmm. but Varen is certainly not retired. She's an okay. active member of the White Tower. Okay. Uh, she's a member of the Brown Aja. Okay. Which is the the really like book nerdy Aja. They would right, fit the in with the Lorehounds. Yep. Mm-hmm. Lorehound. Yes. Yep. <laughs> our, our, our Aja. Uh, right. As it were. Exactly. Uh, so okay, got it. So that's this is one of those scenes like I was saying, I just had to accept what I was seeing and not question it because I didn't understand what was going on. Right. So it's all fair enough. Right. And and it all makes sense ultimately that they're they're chilling. Moraine's doing research. She's feeling right. very sorry for herself. Yes, she is. And she's and, not, by the way, she's not cut off from the source in the books here. Okay. This is a show creation, so I don't know where they're going with it. Uh, so that's something that they can surprise and delight me with. Okay. Um, and yeah, I didn't really... Uh, I mean, we'll get into more of it a little bit later, but I didn't really understand why she was um, cutting Lan out so much. Uh, there's a there's a lot to talk about there. I think we should save it right. for right. we've got some more specific scenes for that. Um, Lan's looking fit. I'll he say sure that. is. <laughs> he sure is. My wife was uh, saying that's my boyfriend. You know. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you know, if we can get uh, Lan and uh, Emperor Cleon Day, you know, uh, in, in right. the same room together, I think we might melt the internet. So. I know, I know. Great stuff. Do you, Do you think they would share their fitness routines? 
Uh, I'm sure they, I'm sure the fitness people who do their fitness routines would be happy to sell you a package of videos and workbooks, right. you know, right? Right. P90X. <laughs> exactly. So, yeah. so yeah, I mean, all of this felt very set up and uh, reminding us of, uh, you know, Moraine was supposedly cut off from the, the, the source. And the, yeah. I remember from season one, there was a scene where they were in, t- in the, in the bath together and he was like, Oh, it's a little cold. And she's like, okay, no problem. She, you know, heats it up. So mm-hmm. it felt, it was a nice callback for me to, to ground me back from season one uh, to now and then show me the difference between now and then. Right. She doesn't have right. her power. She's not with land. Um, and, and we're in this sorry, sorry, full, sorrowful, pitiful state. Now, Bale Doman though, I think he nailed the accent of the Ilium. Uh, Iliamers, Ilianers, uh, they uh, they have this very distinctive accent in the okay. real time world. They go, it do be that way, you know, like that that kind of stuff. Instead of okay. it is that way, it do be. Um, and he nailed it. He nailed it. I loved it. I love that they're bringing this to life. The different cities, the different kingdoms within Branland has always been something that's delighted me about the Wheel of Time. And okay. It felt a little bit small in season one. It felt like we were all in the wilderness all the time. We're not really visiting a lot of places. And I'm really glad that we're finally getting more diverse people in this world. Okay. More diverse cultures, you know? Right, right. Uh, and again, this was just material I just had to accept on on faith. I don't... Right. Did we introduce... Was he introduced in season no, one? No, no, he's he- brand new. Okay. He's brand new. Got it. Okay, cool. uh, he is a book character. He's a okay. he's a, a beloved book character. So I, I'm uh, I'm glad he's in here. I he was one that's beloved, but I could have seen him cut them cutting, uh-huh. and I'm glad that they kept him and gave him some depth and some some stuff to to do. Right. All right. The next scene we get a montage of Egwene doing chores as a novice in the White Tower. Nynaeve is upset that they haven't done anything but chores since they got there, but Egwene is bought into the system. Alana begins a lesson that starts with the five threads of the one power, air, earth, fire, spirit, and water. She gives each novice a glass of dirty water and shows them a weave to purify it. She tells each of them they will drink the water at the end of the session. Alana tries to get Nynaeve to touch the source, which she hasn't done in her five months as a novice, but her pep talk falls flat. Uh, Nynaeve chugs the dirty water and storms off. <laughs> that was pretty funny. She's yeah. like, here's your lesson. Here's your, you know, whatever. And and uh, yeah, stuff it. Uh, I really liked this tour that Nynaeve took us on through the White Tower. Yes. So we get to see yeah. all these different aspects of life and things that are going on. Um, I liked the construction as well. They they show very clearly at least once her scraping or dumping wine or whatever, or dumping glasses into her bucket and scraping food into her bucket. And so that when we get to the uh, the lesson, the object lesson for the for the uh, novices, we're already connected with that. We're like, oh, right. no, that's right. not cool. You know? Yeah. Yeah. So I love the lesson. Yeah. 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 No. So, and I think it's so a, good. You know, and okay, so uh, super trope. I think the school of magic is a super trope, you know, these sure. days, and we have lots. Even we, even going back to Ursula K. Le Guin and Earthsea, yeah. right? I, I would say that's that's first, but Wheel of Time predates Harry Potter as far okay. as the school of magic. 
Fair enough. And then every other story, you know, fantasy story, there's some sort of school of magic-y thing. So right. fair enough, Disc, right? Discworld has its unseen university. We got plenty of them around. Right. Uh, Ender's Game, is it's not magic, but, you know, there's okay. an academy and, you know, blah, blah, blah. So um, if you're playing with that trope and then, you know, the the mistress comes in and she's like, okay, uh, you know, uh, you know, Alana comes in and says, okay, here's here's your lesson for today. She's not not uh, uh, challenging them. She is challenging them. She's not doing it in a overly brutal way, but at the same time, here is a very important, you have to try. And if you, you've got to have some skin in the game. And if you don't want to drink this gross water, you know, you've got to really figure out how to touch the source and weave these two things together. So I really liked the way that they played with the whole school of magic trope here and and brought it i just brought a different perspective on it i i right. enjoyed the scene yeah i really liked it i liked the way that she took the two weaves and did that together it looked really tangible mm-hmm. it looked it looked really corporeal and when she's pouring it through that looked like a really cool effect it's dirty on one end it's clean on the other um Nynaeve, <laughs> i gotta say she is a brat uh-huh. uh but I like early show Nynaeve 20 times more than I like early book Nynaeve, who I think is so obnoxious and I okay. almost didn't want to read her chapters. Mm-hmm. And um, so I'm glad that they've improved her for the show. And I feel okay. like I empathize with her more in the show. She, she's she got a lot more speaking out loud about how she's feeling and how frustrated she is. And I, I like that they've added that here. So that's a, that's a good change for me. Uh, something that else that they changed from the book is that Nynaeve comes into the White Tower in the books and they say, you're too powerful to be a novice and you're too old to be a novice. We're going to test you for accepted now, which is the next level up. It's not quite mm-hmm. nice to die, but it's in the middle. And uh, here it seems like I unless I'm corrected otherwise in a, in a future episode, seems like she's a novice. She is at level one, just like Egwene. Right. Yep. That's that's and what so, my read was. Yeah. Yeah. And so I, I, I'm glad they did that because um, <laughs> she needs the reality check here. OK, <laughs> she absolutely needs to be taken down a notch. She thinks she knows everything because she was the wisdom and she was, you know, she was the person who people right. would go to for advice and training and healing in her right. village. And now she's all of a sudden some big fish in a big pond. Right. Right. Instead of big right. fish in a small pond. And that's that's a hard thing for anybody. And it's a hard thing for Nynaeve. And I love that. All right, you you were a hot sports player in high school, and suddenly you go to college, and you're playing at a higher level division. Right. You suddenly realize that everybody is is as good as you are, if not better. Right. So, right. Um, I I like to something I wanted to point out, and and I think this was the consistent across seasons that they're really casting far and wide and bringing in a lot yep. of different actors, and it feels good. It doesn't feel like there's any one overrepresentation or an underrepresentation. Right. So if they bring in another actor, then we're suddenly like, oh, we noticed the difference. No, they're just yeah. starting off with a, a very diverse looking world. And that's good. And just keep running with that. Keep doing that. I like it. I like all these uh, actors that they've picked for the Aes Sedai. There's not an Aes Sedai actor I haven't met yet that I haven't been intrigued right. by and really like their look and their mannerisms and what they're putting into the characterization. So good stuff. Yeah, yeah, I agree. And also it makes sense because this is a pretty wide continent Ranland. Mm-hmm. Again, there's no real name for this world for there's <laughs> there's no name for this region in the yeah. books. So people just call it Ranland. 
Okay. That's just what people colloquially call it as. Uh, but so there, it's a wide continent and people will, young girls will learn that they can channel all throughout the continent from different countries, from different cultures, and they'll be sent to the White Tower because they have this monopoly on channeling. Mm-hmm. And so that, at least that's, that's what they think at least. Right. And, right. Um, and, and it so, looks it, it looks it. Right. In this production. Right. And they feel like they should have a monopoly on it. You know, they think that it's not sure. safe to have someone out there channeling who's not trained by us because we know the way to channel. We know the right way to channel. Well, I think the Jedi Council thought that they knew a few things too. So. Right. Right. <laughs> we'll see. Good good comparison. I want you to keep that in mind as we go right. forward. Are the Aes Sedai the same as the Jedi in terms of too attached to principles and too rigid? Too set in their ways. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Nice. Cool. Right. Mistress of Novices Sherium checks in with Alana, Leandrin, and other Aes Sedai on the new novices. Leandrin volunteers to tutor Nynaeve, but Leandrin has been prohibited from teaching after a novice died in her care. Leandrin emphasizes that uh, there is a new false dragon more powerful than Loghain, and the world is dangerous. Reluctantly, Sherium gives Leandrin permission to talk to Nynaeve. 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 Freudian slip. Yeah. So this was a again an interesting scene. I'm I'm learning more about the world, seeing trying to understand who and what's what's happening here. But I think by the end of the scene, I really understood. Okay, this is everybody's checking in. How is the new staff freshman? Meeting. Yeah, how are the freshman <laughs> class doing? Right, right. Um, and to see uh, Leandrin back, and she is very she is very much that I remember her in season two. Yep. Super intriguing, super powerful, super harsh. Uh, and I remember that she's got some secrets and maybe some hypocrisies in her closet. Right. Um, and uh, she, but she is not um, she is not throttled down at all from season one. She is no. leaning forward as, as much or if not ever than in this season. So, uh, yeah, all, all cool stuff. Great, great setup for some conflict and drama. Yeah. What do you think of Sherium, the mistress of novices? Um, she seemed very mistressy. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Very perfect uh, casting, I thought. Regal, and she's uh, you know, the is the blue so what's the blue Aja? Blue Aja is like causes social justice, you know, quests okay. of it's Gryffindor, you know, if okay. you're a Harry Potter person, it's Gryffindor. And that's what that's what Moiraine's is. She's okay. Blue Aja. Right, right. Uh, yeah, that's right. But so, but I th- interesting because because um, Moraine Moraine was like a far flung agent, right? She's out in the world right. checking on things, listening and things, fixing little problems here yep. and there. Whereas if to ha- if you have the mistress of novices as a blue aja, that's a very rooted character. Well, like you have to be there and paying attention to the home front. I'll tell you exactly why this happened. Is uh, the uh, the Amerlin seat Swan Sanch was uh was blue and so okay, is right. her so is her second in command and then it's like when you have a change in political party in the real world uh, you put certain... your administration in right, right. so Got it's it. that kind of a deal here and i remember that the the color of the aja for the amerlin seat was kind of a important detail in the political maneuverings from season one i remember that yeah. as well 
So the idea is you're supposed to give up your Aja and become of all colors right. when you're Amarlin Seed. Just like the president of the United States is supposed to be representing everyone instead of right. just their party. <laughs> but you know how that goes. Right. Or, or if you're an Istari, you know you're, you know, uh, uh, you're the white, right? You're, right. you represent right. all the Istari. Yeah, it's a, uh, it's swan of many colors. Mm. <laughs> so yeah, that's basically the deal with that. Is and and you'll see that. Uh, I mean, Moiraine has a line later. The uh, I have it here. The Sea Folk may ha- play the game well, but the Aes Sedai invented it. You know, it's it's this the Aes Sedai are very political all the time. Okay. And they are super into their power dynamics. Uh there there's this whole thing of like Aes Sedai like respect each other more if they're more powerful in the power, which doesn't seem like a good measure of who's a better leader, but whatever. <laughs> right. Question there there was one Aes Sedai in this meeting who didn't have um hair and She's wearing like a kind of a teal bluish color. Mm-hmm. I have no idea who that is at this and point. And she actually speaks. Uh, she asks a question. Okay. Do you know what yeah. Aja she was? Is that a. I don't know. Okay. I don't know. There's no teal Aja as far as. No. <laughs> there's a green Aja. There's there a no blue mauve. Aja. No mauve. Yeah. No pumpkin spice Aja. <laughs> no. No pumpkin spice Aja. <laughs> that sounds like a Spice Girl spice. Uh, anyway, I should <laughs> move away from this topic. I'm getting in trouble. I bet she's just a blue. Yeah. Could be, could be, but we know reds are there because Leandrin's there. Right. So we'll see. All right, David, I think it's time to take a quick break. When we get back, we'll continue the episode. And we're back. And we're ready to head on with Perrin, who writes a letter and talks with Loyal about the loss of Rand and the missing whereabouts of Matt. They're on the hunt for Padden Fane and the Horn of Valir with a troop of Shinarans when they find a burning village with all the villagers killed. Perrin's wolf senses help him recreate the carnage in his mind. The tracker says a child made it out of the village. Then they find a Shinaran dark friend who Ingtar orders buried. So we know where the little girl came from. Right. Yep, yep, yep. That at least that's what I, how I read it. You know, at the beginning of this, as we started recording, I kind of uh, forgot that. But I remember wa- in, in watching the episode that they connected those dots. Or, yeah. you know, they they led the they laid the breadcrumbs for that. And I think I just sort of um, forgot that detail. So Yeah, I think that that's, that's what it's, you're supposed to get out of that. Although I, yeah. I don't know if it's going to matter much. I think it's just more satisfaction of we know where that person came from. It'd be it'll be interesting to see if they develop the the character of the little girl into yeah. into something. Um, at least as a through line in through the the dark ones. Yeah, she just walks through every battle unscathed. Right, it's going to be her role. That's yeah. good. Uh, the builder is back. The builder, yeah, uh, loyal, loyal, yeah. So uh, I. To be honest, I remember at the end of season one when they're having the the big battle that uh, Padden Fane makes off with the horn. Yeah. But then I and I remember this guy with the eye patch, but I don't That's Uno. Uno. Yep. I, but I don't really recall how this troop got formed and what their uh, mission is. Yeah, I think that was off screen. That was okay. off screen. Um, the the what I've. Uh, you know, with book knowledge, I know they are sent out to find the Horn of Valir and Patton Fane. You know, by he, whom? 
by the king of Shinar. Okay, by the got leader it. of Shinar. Yeah, because the Shinarians had the horn, right? They Although were the ones I guess it? I believe the the leader of Shinar died at the end of last season, right? Which is not something that happened in the book. Okay, so I don't know who they were sent out by, but whoever's in charge of Shinar right now sent out a group of. Oh, we were supposed to guard this, and we did a bad job. Go fix right. this. <laughs> go get, let's go figure, go work it out. Right. Um. So this dude that they meet in the wasteland. Yep. He's got wolfy eyes, kind of like Perrin does. Mm-hmm. Is that in? Te- I mean, I, it's got to be intentional. You don't show us that without having it mean something as part of the visual language. I think they are at least telling you that they're similar in their abilities because he's the tracker, right? He's oh, lost right. the trail. Um, but Perrin also has these extra senses that allow him to see the carnage and whatnot, which I don't know if I love that. You know, how would your senses let you recreate mm-hmm. visuals? At? Mm-hmm. I didn't love that. I didn't love that scene. That was a little cheesy to me. OK, kind of like in. Um, oh, what uh, uh, was that? Clone Wars when the uh, <laughs> sorry, pulling a st- oblique Star Wars reference here to the uh, investigative droid when the oh, Jedi yeah, got bombed. Yeah. So because they did that, too. They did a a tracking sequence. I get that that's possible with like forensics, but I don't know. I don't know. I didn't love that scene, but it's fine. It wasn't yeah. it wasn't like a scene killing thing for me. It was just like, ah, I don't really care for this. Well, uh, we had to we had to they had to lay out some clues for us to understand what it is that we're we're seeing here and, and to clue us right. into the girl's identity. So, right. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Um, the dark friend uh, that they find. Yeah. Why do you think Ingtar is telling them to bury him? I mean, there's a there's a debate about it later. We can talk about it more then, but seems the odd. dark friend. So there's a, a so I oh okay. So the, the idea was they yeah. they can tell that the uh, the monsters were protecting the Shinaran soldier, right? And he was alone, so they Remind deduced me that he was dark friend. A dark friend is an uh, uh, a servant an of the dark one. Right, yep. an ally, yep. an agent, a servant, right. Okay, someone who's so. pledged themselves in service to the dark. Got it. And he's the soldier that they find on the ground in the right. armor and then the one guy. Yeah. And then so the leader of the troop is saying, "No, we got to bury uh, we got to bury everybody. It's a uh, Right. Yeah. Right. Do you agree so, with him? Yeah, I, yeah, I do in in as much as we need to it's a it's a way to uh, not create an othering of others, right? It's it's a way to uh, establish relation. This person was a person; they sure. made their choices, and and uh, led to a I, lot of other deaths. You led, led to a, a lot of other deaths, and I think, interestingly enough, there's a par- <laughs> I hate pulling in all these comps and parables or, or parallels. There's a parallel in Foundation that's going to come up in a in an in an episode of, you know, we need to stay connected to that which makes us human. Part of what makes us human is pain, death, these kinds of things. And if we honor our dead, even though they may have been my enemy dead, we're still acknowledging that we're of this world and part of this world. And this, you know, adversary was even part of it as well. So. Right. Okay. That's my, that's a personal philosophical bend, right? It's not. So you're on team Ingtar. Uh, I guess if you're going to put me on a team, do I have to get a wear right. a jersey or something? You do. What? Okay. You do. It has a hawk on it. 
All right, nice. Uh, I don't mind the hawk thing. So it looks pretty good. Cool. It looks, yeah. Uh, right. What do you feel about Uno? Foul-mouthed Uno. Foul-mouthed Uno, the guy with the patch? Yeah. I remember him to be a real, he was kind of a jerk <laughs> last uh, season as well. Mm-hmm. And clearly he's a guy who, who, you know, he leads with his tongue, not his sword. Yes. <laughs> as yes. it were. And um, he reminds me of some of, of one of the characters out of uh, Game of Thrones as well, who had the, f- not the flaming sword guy. One of the guys. Is about Bronn? No, no, no. There was a brotherhood of, uh, that was. Oh, Beric Dondarrion. Yeah, yeah. That was who hanging also out had with an eye patch. Yes, that's probably. Okay. Right. Maybe it's just an eye, you know, maybe it's just that. that physical he was a little scenario. sassy. I think Uno's sassier. You know, he's got way sassier, way yeah. saltier, I would say. Very salty. I'll have the horn of bloody Valier. I, I I love him. He's he there's a whole running joke in the books where he every time he talks to an Aes Sedai, he's like afraid of them. So he forces himself not to curse, but he keeps starting to. He's like <laughs> the blood. All right. Uh, you know, he he like stops mid mid word. It's great. It's great. I'm I'm glad he's in here. He's clearly battle hardened and survived uh, quite a lot. And um, uh, so he's not all talk. Uh, he's a You're great right. counterpoint to the leader of their troop. Remind me his name. Ingtar. Yep. Ingtar, who has that strong, silent type thing and very honorable and you know right. all that kind of stuff. So there, it's almost a um, um, uh, uh, odd couple type of relationship uh, structure. Yeah. Okay. So. I buy that. I'm trying to think of what the odd couples guys. It was uh, not Bert and Ernie because they're the they're an odd couple as well. I'll have to Google <laughs> this here. Uh, well, I like them. I'm liking the Shinaran chemistry so far. But let's head back to Moiraine. Uh, Bale Doman offers Moiraine a broken piece of Hearthstone. Well, Lan compa- complains to Tomas about Moiraine's silence. Lan has been told to leave, but he refuses. Doman explains that the Hearthstone was found outside Kyrian. And that there was a poem written in blood in the old tongue when they found it. He asks for 50 marks for the heartstone and five for the transcription of the poem, which Moiraine haggles down to one. Moiraine then buys only the poem and emphasizes the consequences of insulting an eye Sedai. We learn that Doman is being followed by men in black cloaks with unseen faces. Moiraine gives him 10 marks for provisions and tells him to run. This is that scene I mentioned. He, she's like, the I said I invented the game. The, right. The, the great game. It's, <laughs> I don't know what came out first, a Game of Thrones or uh, this book, which had the game of houses, they called it, which is just okay. basically politics. You know, it's the same thing. It's just politics. Right. And uh, the I said I are said to like the, the city. All the cities are like, oh, we play the game better. And the I said I are like, yeah, OK. All right. <laughs> Go ahead. Children. <laughs> um, what is it? Um, what's the, the first one was 1990. The Great, Hunt. The Great okay. Hunt is the, uh, book that you're looking for. Well, and I was thinking the Eye of the World, I think that's originally published in 1990. Is that correct? Okay. That's according to I the Googles, know. according to the internets. Um, so, uh, again, one of those scenes where I was like, okay, just take in the knowledge, start, you know, uh, writing notes, keeping track of details, I don't know who this dude is. I don't know what Hearthstone is. I don't know any of what's going on. I don't know how much a mark is. Obviously, 50 marks is a lot. Um, Seems like it. <laughs> so I, I just had to to ride with uh, this scene and, and just take it in and, and not make too many judgments. And I confirmed, by the way, 96 mm-hmm. for Game of Thrones and 94 uh, The Great Hunt. 
He did. Okay. He did that also in 1990. So Robert Jordan wins the game. Sorry, George. <laughs> Fair enough. And it's all Tolkien soup anyway. So sure. Although um, I, I think that they both have their own flavor of it. You know, I think that sure, sure. there's a lot more politicking. There's a lot more spicy dialogue in both of these other books mm-hmm. than there is in The Lord of the Rings. And so I, I like for to sure. appreciate them each for what they do well. Sure. Yeah. The, I think yeah, Tolkien didn't get into the politics in the way that we're thinking of the politics right. of this, the Game of right. Thrones style politics, for sure. So uh, I'm confused about one other detail. Um, Lan said that she Moraine told him to leave, or did he? Is he just picking the vibe? It's just the vibe that. No, I'm I think he said to- she she wants me to leave. Like she okay. She uh, I think she just basically told him go off because you got to remember. I don't know if they've made this explicit, but the the once she can't touch the source, their bond is severed. And I think right. they, they hinted mm-hmm. at this because he couldn't find her. Right. Uh, mm-hmm. At the eye of the world in the la- the end of the last season. But right. yeah, so their bond is severed and that's a hard Clear. thing. They've sure. always felt each other. You can they you can sense where your Aes Sedai is. If you're a warder, they can sense where you are. You can tell when they're feeling pain or feeling happy and you can tell their mood. And it's all of a sudden that just goes black. That like piece of your mind goes black. Right. And that's traumatic. I mean, b- people go like nuts after uh, like they they have breakdowns after their bond is severed. So and I got that, and that's clearly told. Uh, you know, if you if you did watch season one, that's clearly told. Like I clearly understand mm-hmm. that coming into season two. That, right. That yeah, we had there. that whole you know show plotline. Right, and then so now I you know I I get it. They're they're feeling in pain and all this kind of stuff, and I just don't. Yeah, I, I guess I don't understand, you know, what the the agita is here. Like, why isn't she talking to him? Why isn't she letting him into this? Why is he? Yeah, I don't know. If he's so mad, why isn't he leaving? Now, now, all of that. And if what you're telling me is when you lose connectivity to the source, when you lose your Wi-Fi connection, it drives you insane, right? I can't mm-hmm. I can't abide by a it's poor like grief, internet you know, connection. it's, it's yeah. just it's really bad. Yeah, I and can't then, abide by a poor internet connection. I'll be honest with you. <laughs> then you get severed from your, you know, your twin, your your, your sort of Gemini twin or whatever, and yeah. that's awkward and painful. I, I, I get all that. And, oh, I know what I was going to say. And and what that indicates to me is they're showing us that at least they're still functional, that they can still you know take a bath and yeah, you know, have you know food and and socialize with other people. Um, so that they are not so debilitated by their connectivity that what's that tell, what that is telling me is that these are very strong people, right? That these are people, who, especially who, Moraine, right? Because Lan hasn't lost his connection to the source. That's, it's like, it's like almost like an addiction withdrawal with the source, right. mm-hmm. you know, because yeah. you just get so used to it. In Without fact, your they, coffee in the morning kind of thing, right? right? They you just warn, can't start your day. They warn novices at the White Tower, don't rely on the source for everything because you'll start to want to use it too much and mm. you'll risk burning yourself out on it. Mm, interesting. Yeah. So, so yeah, so, so good storytelling there and in, in giving us uh, understandings of their, their characters. Um, what is Hearthstone? Yeah. So it's unbreakable. They kind of make this clear in the dialogue, but uh, yeah. I'll, I'll emphasize it here. It's unbreakable. It is, okay. it is a, a substance that was made during the age of legends. You can't right. make it anymore. Nobody remembers how to at this point. And um, so it's it, 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 no one can break it even with the one power. 
That's how okay. strong it is. You just can't right. break it. And somehow this broke. And there was a poem written in blood on it. What the poem says, I don't know. Okay. So it seemed to uh, concern Moiraine. So is this a detail? Should I just hold this, just bracket it and hold it I off think to you the side for it. now? Okay. Yep. All right. Yep. I, yeah. I, and he found it outside Kyrian. We haven't heard that name before, I don't think, which is okay. another city. It's another big city. Uh, a lot of book two takes place in Kyrian. I don't know if we're actually going to go there in the show because mm -hmm. we're at a lot of different places. We have a lot of different pieces in different places okay. at this point in the show. But I don't yeah. know. I don't know. It's uh, I'm looking forward to seeing what they do with all these. Got it. And then we're going to see um, this fellow again. Um, Bail Doman. Yes, Bail Doman. We're going to see him again, obviously. Yeah, I hope so. Uh, I he, hope so. He he presents well on screen and and uh, the I I liked it was a, it it took me a moment to to uh, uh, I don't know un, uh, get right with the scene a little bit in the sense mm -hmm. that here she is she's she's playing this haggling game she yep. absolutely masters him down yep. to one <laughs> one mark yep and then she learns that he's being chased by you know uh, demons and, and monsters yeah yep. and she's like dude here's cash run you know GTFO like go like she actually suddenly cares for him right. But but I love that about this, right? Is that right, yeah, when yeah, she's yeah. getting screwed over, she's very harsh. But as soon as there's somebody actually in need, she's ready to go. She's ready right. to help. <laughs> she's like opening up her purse and, and dumping it out. So right, yeah. yeah, yeah, cool. Good scene. Good scene. In the White Tower, Nynaeve trains with Alana's warders and begins to complain about their eyes to die before they give her a polite warning. Uh, Nynaeve laments her lack of progress in training to be an Aes Sedai, but the warders tell her their training was much the same at the beginning. They suggest she figure out why she came to the White Tower. Uh, I loved Alana Sedai to you because mm -hmm. that's that's also a thing in the book. Nynaeve like refuses to use the honorific Sedai, which is how you would. It's it's kind of like you know. Um, MD after right. you just mm -hmm. you just want to like use this honorific after the person's name and uh, the novices are all required to do that. Nynaeve just will not. She just right. will not do it. And I like how they're she's about to bad math their eyes to die and they're like, uh, no, no, that's our wife there. <laughs> <laughs> now, these are the the warders we saw who were in um, season one. Mm -hmm. And this is part of, if I remember right, the, the explaining the world to us that um, the polyamorous relationships are a thing. The greens, in, in here. yeah, the greens are big on that. Right. The greens are the only Aja that have that have more than one warder that and can have more than one warder. They're like battle Aja. They right? are the they're, battle Aja. Yeah, yeah. It sounds like a game, right? Yeah. You know, put it, put that cartridge in and fire it up. But the um, thing is, there hasn't. So you're the battle Aja, but your oaths prevent you from using the power as a weapon against anything but dark friends. But you haven't seen dark friends in a hundred years since the Trolloc Wars. Mm, Who are you? What mm -hmm. do you do? What's your what's your identity? Mm -hmm. So their identity has fallen more into this romantic. We love men and we're going to have a bunch of warders. It's fallen a lot out of this battle. Aja, I think. OK, uh, but now the question is, now that things are heating up in the world again, does the green Aja have what it takes to reclaim that identity? 
Interesting. Okay. All right. That's really good context. That's that's helpful. So that when things start to get active and the green Ajas have to step in, are they battle hardened enough to be able to do what they right. need to do? Yeah. The green Aja is pretty green right now. Yeah. Very good. Very, very good. I do like, um, do you remember the name of these two orders? Cause I, I don't have it at the top of my, so if we're, uh, if I'm remembering right, it's a Wayne and Ivan, uh, the, I think that's how they're pronouncing it in the show. Yeah. Yeah. The, the two orders. And I remember that, um, uh, that there's a, it's not just two with Alana. It's one guy's in love with the other guy who's in love with Alana. So it's right. a, it's an interesting it's a triangle a little bit. Yeah. A little bit. Yeah. Uh, but I, there's I some remember angles going on at least. <laughs> exactly. I remember in season one, when we got into the whole warder stuff and the death of a warder and the culture of warders, I really liked the, the storytelling that they were doing here and the depth and complexity of these characters and that were uh, active and participating in a world that is uh, you know, it's a big world and there's a lot of different mm-hmm. ways that you can live your life. And there's a lot yeah. of different ways that you can uh, be with somebody that you're in love with or attracted to. And so again, just normalizing, Hey, in this world, this is the way it is, right? And yeah. these are, these, these are the stories that we're telling. And I just really appreciate the, flatlining of that in a, in a way, right? It's, this is just what it is. This is the story. Yeah, yeah. So. yeah. You know, there's this thing in the books where they, they wait a long time to develop a lot of things. Sure. And then when they do develop it, He's when got Robert Jordan does develop it, it's great. <laughs> but what they're doing in the show is they're bringing a lot of stuff from later in the books and yeah. not bringing the exact plot points in, but bringing the context in. So warders are really developed later in the books, the bonds between Warder and Aes Sedai, the consequences of losing that bond. That's later in the books. Now we get to see that right up front. We're told who these people are. We get more development with them. And I think that was a really good adaptation decision. Yeah, I think so, because now I I have a view into this world of, of a very important set of characters, right, in, in, in this thing. And if I don't have something to care for about them, then I'm not invested in their stories. Right. I agree. What do you think is Nynaeve's reason in the end for being in the White Tower? I, she's just along for the ride. Uh, she's got power. She doesn't. Uh, yeah, she doesn't. Maybe she. Uh, I don't know what her, her reason is. I think she is, uh, she needs to figure that out. I think that is, that's true. Mm-hmm. Cause she just went along with friends, right? Hey, we're going on this thing. I've got some power. And then it turns out she's got a, a lot of power and right. I, I kind of got to do something with that, but she doesn't, it's not like she's responding to the call or she's not, you know, mm-hmm. inspired by, Oh, I really want to, I saw this person from a distance and I want to become like them. She's she's got a big chip on her shoulder and she's got to figure that out. Yeah. So she can figure out why she's there for sure. And then they make it very clear right away. Egwene is powerful. She's more powerful than most Aes Sedai. But Nynaeve is many levels beyond that. She's the most powerful channeler in memory. Okay, so now I'm confused. Sorry, I got confused between Egwene and Nynaeve now. Egwene is uh, the, the one who's very into everything. And then Nynaeve is the reluctant one who can't channel right now, but is very powerful. right. Who's training with the warders. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, so yeah, yep. Nynaeve. So yeah, so so, I was, she's I was struggling with identity. Yeah. So I was mentioning it was dialogue that happened in that earlier scene with the water. Okay. Uh, where, you know, Alana pulls them aside and is like, Egwene, 
you you are very powerful. You are very powerful uh, compared to basically every other channeler here except Nynaeve, who is right. tenfold more powerful, you know, just extremely powerful for a channeler. And so what I was trying to say was Nynaeve needs to find out where who she is and what right. she's doing here, right? I don't right, know if exactly. I make sure that, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, you were saying that, yep. Okay, good. <laughs> it's I'm learning a lot of names. I know, names, there's a right? lot of names here. It's Oof. all right. I'll, I'll let you know if you misstep. The, the listeners will let us know too. <laughs> Hopefully <laughs> kindly and gently. Um, but I think, I, I remember Nynaeve too was one of my favorite characters coming out of season one. I thought she mm-hmm. had an interesting story and I, I Much the, better in the show. Yeah. Much better in the show. I like her a lot Fair in the enough. show. And I like the actor a lot too. I think she's doing a great job. Yeah. And and it's I like that they have her training with these guys. So she's like, okay, well, let me do something easy. <laughs> let me exactly. fight with a sword. <laughs> and what else do you do when you're struggling with something hard is you do something easy. It's like when I used to be, I used to play the violin and I was very bad at it. But oh. <laughs> they used to give us lessons and they used to say, you know, if you are practicing a piece of music and you have one part that is very hard for you stop starting at the beginning because you'll just keep playing the easy part Mm -hmm. start at the hard part interesting and that's a hard lesson to learn that is a hard thing to do and uh nynaeve's got to start at the hard part here right yeah yeah no that makes sense yep and she's and she's doing that by training on the um in the fighting uh arena area right that's it's a much more practical and right that's the easy part yeah. Cool. Yep. All right. So Egwene visits Alana for advice about the day's lesson, which Alana misinterprets as a request for sexual advice. Uh, it looked pretty sexual to me. <laughs> <laughs> when Egwene clarifies that she is talking about the weave, Alana advises her to think of the weaves as two larger weaves instead of many. She tells Egwene that things are messy before they're perfect and that nothing worthwhile is neat and tidy. I really liked this scene, this uh, line at the end. I don't know if I need all these like sexual scenes. It's it's fine. It's not like bothering me, but I'm like, ah, it's not really the vibe of this world in my opinion. Okay. I don't know how you felt. Yeah, I was uh I was like, okay, we're going to go here. You know, I mean they they showed us some stuff in in season 1. They showed us a little bit in um when um uh, Egwene was walking around doing her rounds, collecting stuff yep, up yep, the, yep. the white tarot. Um, so I was like, well, how far are we going to go here? I mean, it's fine for story stuff. And I did think it was a little icky that a uh, full on uh, yeah. eye. There's a power dynamic there. Yep. Yeah, that's that's <laughs> not, you know, at least in our world, that's not a thing we, we, uh, we want to encourage. So it, it was a little and it played very well. I mean, uh, I think. Alana is, she's, she's all that and a, and a bag of chips, right? She is that. And, and that's cool. She's very that, confident in herself for sure. In all ways, right. In all ways. So yeah. it, it was a, it was an interesting conversation. She never do, felt shame in her entire life. No, I'm pretty sure. no, she is full on. <laughs> she's living full. Um, I do. I did like the, the conversation of, um, you know, it's going to get messy, right? It's, it's, yeah. it's part of, it's inherent to this, the, the way the world works and the way that the system works, it's going to get complicated before you get somewhere with things. So, yep. I agree. You know. Great line, great line there. And that, that saved the scene for me, even if it was a little awkward before that, I was like, <laughs> yeah, no, that's, that's some good dialogue there. So right. I was glad they added that. And, and it's really given, we're getting a lot of Alana. 
Uh, we are. We are. This, so not quite a big book character. She's in it. She's mm-hmm. moderately around, but she's not this around. Right. So we'll see because we've got a lot more to go this season. So we'll see yeah. how much more we get of her. Yep. Leandrin then finds Nynaeve practicing the weave from the lesson. When Nynaeve talks about her water training, Leandrin demonstrates making a blade out of channeling. She then holds Nynaeve up against the wall with the one power and taunts her until Nynaeve gets angry enough to channel against Leandrin. Leandrin notes that Nynaeve saw the weave once and was able to copy it, and that Nynaeve can use her anger to find a different way to channel. I love uh, Leandrin's line here. I don't want a fair fight. I want to win. Yeah, right. That's good. I, I couldn't help uh, in this uh, scene to to not have y- your voice in my head. Let the hate flow through you. Yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> it was very Palpatine. Very, very Palpatine. Very. But I get it, right? That that you're you're a little constipated here. You're a little blocked up. We got to, you know, a little use a little shock therapy here to to energize your systems. And and uh, okay, you know, maybe wouldn't pass health and safety laws in our current culture. <laughs> but uh, you know, she gives her she sort of takes her by the lapels and gives her a shake, and and it yep. it has an effect. It gets her channeling. One of the things in the books that I think is most interesting is that Nynaeve's block does not make sense because she has to get angry to channel. She's the Hulk. She Mm. has to get angry to channel. (laughs) But the whole way that Aes Sedai are taught to channel is you have to submit to the one power. You have Mm. to submit to the true source. You cannot fight it. You have to become part of it, basically. Okay. And Nynaeve has never submitted to anything in her her life. (laughs) And so the Aes Sedai are like, how are you even channeling when you're that angry? But that's the only way she can channel. So she's this kind of enigma to them. And I really liked that in the books. And they're keeping that in the show. They're keeping this block of, I need to be angry. I need to hulk out if I want to use the power. Got it. And then that's sort of maybe what makes her special and gives her 10x, right? Is is Um, that it? Maybe. 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 Wheel weaves? The wheel weaves? The wheel weaves. Leandrin is, uh, boy, man, she is spicy. She is hot. She's I, intense. The actress is just laying down some fire with this role yeah. here. So I uh, liked her blade of wind. That was very cool. That was that was uh, really interesting. And and in terms of you know matching physical actors to CGI work, yeah. I I never felt that it was off. Right. It it felt. I agree. It felt uh, really good. Yeah. And and I'm looking at a scene here uh, of it, and it's it has kind of a greenish cast to the the weave uh, power. So I don't know. They're coloring the weaves. They're giving them yeah, slight little variations yep. in color. So I like what they're doing with the weaves this season. Cool. Uh, what do you think Landrin's intentions are really with Nynaeve? You know, I want you to be powerful. She says. Well, does she Why? want a recruiter to be a red? Could be. You know, I mean, if she wants to win and you you see the most powerful piece on the table, you want to recruit that piece, right? But what is she trying to win? Mm, The Game of Thrones? No, wrong book. Um, I don't know. I don't know enough about the world about... Well, I mean, we've got a last battle coming up, right? We've got, you know, we internal... Well, if you believe what we saw at the end of last season, the last battle already happened. Right. Is it not common? So it's not... What what do what does the White everybody Tower... believes the last battle is going to come eventually, right? But they, they don't that believe is... that that was the last battle, 
right now everyone's pretty confident that that was the last battle. I think. Really? I okay, think so. so uh, right. They they said we're going to the eye of the world and we're going to fight the last battle. And they fought a battle. Right. Uh, okay. Um, I don't know what game then that there is for her to win. Maybe other than the. Um, oh, I'm sorry. The Amberlin seat. The Amberlin seat. Yeah. 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 You know, because she Good was question. pretty um, hacked off that. Um, uh, remind me the the current Amberlin seats. Um, Swan. Yeah. Swan is she didn't. She's got issues with that. She sure does. So she sure does. Yeah. Yeah. You know. I'll I'll just say here we're in season one of an eight season run. Do you think the last battle really already happened? <laughs> no, no, yeah. no, no. Yeah, no. I think I think we might be in for some surprises. Even if you haven't watched the trailer where they spoil half of the season. Okay. Um, <laughs> Not that I would know. <laughs> right. Right. All right, let's move on. The Shinarans finish burying the village's dead and the dark friends Shinaran. When Perrin asks Ingtar why he's burying the Dark Friend, Ingtar rebuffs Perrin's call for revenge. Perrin recalls his fond memories of Patton Fane before the Trolloc attack and his trauma after the betrayal. Ingtar says perhaps Fane had a reason, but Perrin might not like the answer. Perrin is really, he's, you know, speaking of Hulk. Yeah, exactly. There's a rage inside me. And the closer we get to finding him, the more it grows. Yeah, he's, uh, he's... Gonna unleash some wolf energy, I think, when <laughs> when they he, find him. Yeah, yeah, he's he's a werewolf a little bit. <laughs> so um, this burial thing that we kind of already hashed us out a bit. Yeah, we did. The just them laying him in the ground in that pattern gave me. So that's a one, two, three, four, five. That's a five. They laid him out in a five star pattern. Um, not six. So I don't know what they were doing with that, but you know, it, it, this is just me. It gave me some game of Thrones episode one vibes, uh, in the snow with, uh, you know, the walkers laying out bodies and patterns. It was just a, a, a little thing. Um, and this idea of, um, honoring the dead, even though, so here, it, it, so his parent is struggling with his rage and wanting to seek revenge and, and then ha- and in danger of having his revenge consume him and take him to a place where, Hey, can you really come back from, from that? The, um, the leader remind, I apologize. Ingtar. Yep. Ingtar. Thank you. Ingtar, um, says, but you know, he, he's modeling a different behavior, which is I'm, you know, I'm honoring these dead. I'm honoring even Very one of gracious. my enemies. Very and that's keeping him level and even where Perrin is feeling the rage grow in him. Right. And so says nice... maybe Fane had a reason. Exa- oh, that's what it was. I don't know if uh, I don't know if any reason justifies bringing Trollocs to a village and having them kill everybody in the village. Right. <laughs> no, but the the uh, what I, I had this thought at the back of my head, and that's what I was trying to remember was it goes back to the beginning scene when the dark one says to the little girl, well, maybe the Trollocs just hungry. Have you ever thought of that? So what's, uh-huh. what's the motivation here? What's the, why did he do what he did? And it's very easy in fantasy tropes or sci-fi trope, you know, stories to be, well, Oh, they're just evil. Uh, Dungeons and dragons has, as community has gone through this whole thing is a race. Are orcs inherently evil or goblins mm. inherently evil. Right. Even and if the we're Tolkien community th- talks about it, right. With, yes, uh, exactly. what's his name from season one? I've blocked out that. Right. Uh, but so, actually that was probably the best part of season one was the gray 
yes. uh, the the grayness of the orcs. Right, exactly. And so, you know, if if we're playing games or we're teaching this thing where we can just black, we can just blanket say, oh, the, you know, these are evil and therefore must be killed or eradicated from the world. That becomes problematic for us in this world, in our primary world. Right. What are we right. What are we what are we messing with there? What are we what thoughts are we laying down? And so even though, you know, we're saying, well, OK, well, what's the motivation of this creature? Or what's the motivation of this individual? What's Joel's motivation in The Last of oh Us? My Is he God. a monster? Here I'm not go. touching that one again. <laughs> he ain't baiting me into that one. So uh, so it's cool. Like, I like the fact that they're 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 talking about some morality related issues here and values yep. related issues here. So. Yeah. Depth. Depth to the story. That's that's interesting. Yeah. Again, the dialogue is a level up from last season. I really sure. am am enjoying this quite a lot more. And you know, as we're talking about this this episode, the more I'm appreciating it, even in our conversation, because there is a I can see the quality difference between season one and season two already. Absolutely. Absolutely. So. Even compared to the best episodes of season one, I think. Yeah, agreed. Agreed. Yeah. It's confident. They feel confident in what they're doing now. Absolutely. Yep. So Lan confronts Moiraine for shutting him out. Moiraine requests her dinner in the study that night, but Lan tells her to make it herself. Nynaeve <laughs> brings Egwene a letter they received from Perrin. Egwene was making a lantern for Beltine, which Nynaeve forgot about. Perrin's letter says they've lost the trail to Fane, and that Beltine has him thinking about Rand and Matt. He laments that those remaining are scattered and unable to protect each other. Perrin's a poet. Nice. You know, he's he's yeah. just he's just saying we're like people with shields and we can't put our backs against each other. I was like, this is nice, Baron. You should go into this. Maybe you shouldn't be a blacksmith. You should be a poet. Right. Well, you know, sometimes, you know, the the physical arts and the literary arts are there's a connectivity yeah. between. Them. He's got a lot of time to think about poems. Yeah. You know, well, you know, we have away. a. We have, you know, in, in at least in a modern context, we have cowboy poets. Right. That's a that's a thing. Okay. So okay, I, I'm not aware of this. So the troubadours were a thing. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. So you know, they like were more that. about love, I think. But you know, yeah, love through expression. I mean, even we go to Tolkien, right? And and the uh, Barovian, um, uh, you know, group and yeah, and, uh, the TCBS, the TCBS and stuff. You know, they were you know they went to war, but they were still you know connected to these greater thoughts and and things. Anyway, off I digressed. Yep. As we are wont to do on this podcast. Uh, yeah, Beltine uh, is, did we have Beltine in That was the night one? where the, tro the Trollocs attacked. Right. So this that, is the okay. anniversary of the oh, episode one. Yep. I didn't clock that. That is, okay, that makes Remember sense. Remember we had all the lanterns. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. So yeah, so that was the night that they attacked and they're all like, oh my gosh, a year passed. And Nynaeve, who was the wisdom of the village, who was all into this ritual stuff, right. forgot that it's even bell time because she's so distracted uh, with her own problems. Uh, okay, good. Okay. That, that gives a lot more context. Thank you. Got Notice it. too, that Nynaeve has kept her braid while Egwene has removed it. So Nynaeve mm -hmm. wants to retain more connection with her hometown. Right. Than Egwene does. They're telling okay. us visually what they're, what they're feeling there. Okay. Yet Egwene is the one who remembers to make a lantern. Right. Nice. Nice. Okay, cool. And I like that these two, you know, sisterly characters, there's twinnings, there's, there's sort of, um, um, you know, one is doing this while the other's not doing that. And then the, while the other one is doing something else that the other one's not doing. So it's nice, right. nice right. twinning in the storylines. They're supporting each other. Well, I think. 
Yeah, for sure. Yeah. It's and a shame when um really strong actors really leaning into the role. So great stuff. Yeah. I mean, I didn't mention earlier, but there was this moment where Nynaeve goes to Egwene's store and is like, Egwene, I need to talk, basically. Yeah, yeah. And she's yeah. not there. She's with yeah. Alana. Right. Yep. And then so yeah. she goes down and, and encounters Liana. So Leandrin, yep. Leandrin, sorry, I apologize. Yep. Liana is another character. That's why I'm correcting you. Yeah, yeah. No, no, you there's, need, I there's need too it. many. There's too, too many. many names for us to start mixing them up. By episode eight, I will. Uh, I promise, I will be. <laughs> I will be much better. That's all right. That's all oh, right. Oh, so pivotal, pivotable. Okay, here we go. An important scene coming up yeah. next here. I see. Indeed, uh, Leanne reads the same letter to Matt while omitting parts about him and taunting him with his absence in his friend's minds. He insists he's not a threat to the Aes Sedai. He hasn't touched a dagger in months and uh, asks what she wants with him. She wishes him a merry Beltine and leaves him in captivity. First of all, new No, Matt. no, wait, wait. I have a first oh, go question. Ahead. Go ahead. I have a first question for you. New actor. That's what I was saying, yeah. Okay, yeah. What do you think? Are you, are, how are you, are you vibing? What's the vibe I, check here? All right, I don't want to make a judgment right now because okay, fair this enough. was a very cool. dark scene and yep. I saw him for about three minutes, not uh-huh. even. Not even three minutes, yeah. And it was a dark scene and he acted very darkly and I did not get to see him be the Matt that I love. Be Matt, okay. So Got I'm it. not, I'm going to reserve judgment. That is a fair call. If I were going to do it based on this scene, didn't love it. But okay. I think that he really hasn't had the opportunity to show me yet. So I'm going to, I'm going to reserve myself. Okay. Got it. Yeah. All right. So now, what do you think, though? Um, for the actor, same thing. I'm I'm reserving judgment. I mean, I could see the physicality that they're they're sort of going for. He's um, a bit more fair haired, which the mm-hmm. original actor had that dark. Uh, yeah, that like black uh, hair, basically. Yeah, hair was very black. But I have to say, the thing that obviously you know really caught me out was that uh, Leandrin is there, um, mm-hmm. keeping She's him, held him captive. Yeah, and and really messing with him and being a not nice person. <laughs> yeah, omitting parts about him in the letter. Oh, it mm-hmm. must be hard to hear that you're not in their letter. It's like we just heard the letter, and right. that was that was honestly really brilliant storytelling. Is yeah, to have yeah. them talk about how much they're missing him right into the scene where she's like, "Well, you're not even mentioned." Yeah, so a, a lot of questions there. This this scene just caused me to pop in a, a lot of directions. And then he's yeah, at the end there. He's uh, well, I think this is in a in a in a moment. He's digging in the brickwork at some point. Yeah, so that's that's a little later. I'll mention that in a bit. Okay, cool. Um, but I I gotta ask, what are they doing with this plotline? Because we know that Matt was ridden out of the last two episodes of season one because the actor had to drop out. Right. You know that that's why he was not in the last two episodes. That's why he didn't enter the ways. And that, I think, was one of the worst parts of the COVID shutdown for mm-hmm. the show, which was they lost a fan favorite character who is beloved and was I thought the actor was doing a great job. Barney was his name, uh, Barney mm-hmm. Harris. Um, and I thought he was doing a great job. Unfortunately, I, I don't know why, but he wasn't able to come back for season two either. And yeah, I I'm hoping that. Donnell uh, is able to do a great job as Matt. Now, I don't know where they're going with this because there's a lot different. Like uh, Matt was cured of the dagger addiction, it seemed in season one. I mean, 
he's not in season in in the books by this point. That's mm-hmm. that's part of book two is he's he still has this dagger addiction that they have to deal with. It doesn't seem that they are doesn't seem that they're bringing it back. He mentions it though, so I don't know if they will. Mm-hmm. Remember, we had that dagger basically yeah, possessing yeah. him. Right, right, and uh, he seems to be not in a good way about that. Right. So. Right. Yeah. I don't know. Okay. All right. Well, yeah, this was a big, uh, you know, and they saved, uh, they saved these last couple of scenes for the end of this. Right. So as we're, we're saying, well, what happened to Matt? What happened to Rand? You know, we're boom. And then now we've got questions and now we have energy to take us into uh, episode two, which is from a show construction and from a producing an episode of television. These are all good signs that they un- that that signal to me that the showrunners and the writers uh, understand pacing and flow, and and yep. fingers crossed that they will continue with that, so that we we feel like we really got a good ride for for eight episodes. Yeah, and I think this would have been fine as a single premiere. I don't think it needed to be a triple premiere. A triple, yeah, I, yeah. yeah. I don't know what I'm yeah. very confused by Amazon's strategy here. Yeah. <laughs> Triple, double, whatever, you know, yeah, it's it, you yeah. you've you've cut your, you know, if you did a double, right? That's a that's a common thing. You've now shortened your season, you know, people talking about Amazon by one week. Right. But we don't I don't know what else is in the programming matrix, what other, you know, sports or other things that they don't want right. to. I don't know. know. I don't know. But enough speculation, let's move on. Perrin and Egwene light and send off lanterns in separate parts of the world. Egwene mourns Rand and Nynaeve promises not to leave her. Matt tampers with the brick in the wall and Rand with a shaved head lights his own lantern. I like we get a little hint of Rand here seasoned with ginger, as I said, (laughs) Uh, although he's hiding the ginger right now. He's hiding his red hair right now. Yeah. Yeah. Because he does not want to be recognized. Yeah. What do you think Rand's doing? Where do you think he's going? No idea. Don't know enough about the world. Don't know enough about nothing. Just that he went off at the end. And obviously we have some stuff in the in the trailers that, you know, indicates that he's in some sort of romantic relationship, that he's mm-hmm. experimenting with um, you know, holocron, Sith holocrons, trying to understand <laughs> the his power. Sorry, we just <laughs> right. we're, we were in prep for Ahsoka, so I'm I'm like steeped in Star Wars lore right now. Um so yeah, it's it's they they're setting us a mystery. They they're engaging our curiosity, our natural curiosity. So right, yeah, it's um. So in the book, at this point, Rand and Matt are with Perrin on that chase for the horn. Okay, so we are very far off from where Got we it. were in the book. So I don't okay. know where they're going with him either. I have right. ideas based on the trailer where they're going with him, but I can't say for sure. Okay. Well, you know, seemed fine to me. I, I didn't have any issues with what the what yeah. with what they gave us so far. Yeah, let's go back to uh, the Aes Sedai country house. Yes, Len, Varen, Tomas. Set on VRBO. Can you look for Aes Sedai <laughs> on the yeah the- Airbnb? Yep, Len, Varen, Tomas, and Adelaus wait for Moiraine to show up to dinner, which Lan insists she will. Varen explains to Lan how traumatic it is to be cut off from the One Power. She says most of w- women die afterward, but Moiraine keeps going, carrying water every day and maintaining strength. Tomas tells Lan the bond between a warder and Aes Sedai is not the only way they can communicate. He gives Lan the advice to listen instead of speaking. Lan's line here, 
Yeah, I think that's great. the first time in my life someone's <laughs> told me I need to be quiet. Great line. I got a good chuckle from from that as well. Because yeah, he's yeah. Su- he is such the strong silent type. So it was a it was a nice little play. Yeah, that was good. That was good. I I like the scene. It was a good way to give exposition to what's happening inside Moy Rain's head. Right. And it it nicely that the prior two scenes also ground us with characters and 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 with our emotions just before what happens after this scene, which is right. very violent and very intense. Intense. So again, good good show construction. And I liked. I also like the fact that uh, Lan gets the advice he needs, and he can hear it. Not only is it given to him, but he can actually hear it. He actually takes it on board. Yeah, and and goes for a change, and then when he goes, she's not there. Sorry, dude. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know that sucks for you. <laughs> yeah. So let's get there. Lan brings Moiraine dinner, but her absence alerts him that something's wrong. Moiraine mounts her horse and is attacked by Mirdrals. Moiraine takes one down before a second one slices her in the stomach. Lan then comes to the rescue. The two are almost overpowered before the other Aes Sedai use the one power to defeat the Shadow Spawn. It also appears for a moment that Moiraine might be beginning to channel again. Yeah. Lan asks why what Moiraine isn't telling him. That's that's what they what are you not telling me? <laughs> right. Are you- I mean, I'd be pretty confused too. Are you able to channel and you're like, can, I can't remember. Can they block their connection intentionally? Um, they can just not touch the source. They no, can, but they like can be- be- between an Aes Sedai and a warder. Can... Oh yeah. They can mask it. They can. Yeah. I, I don't think that they've said that in the show, but that's the thing they can do. Yeah. They can block it. Can the warder, uh, do that or just the no, Aes Sedai? only the Aes Sedai. That's okay. That would make sense. That would be the yeah, logical. Because they're the ones yeah. with the weave, right? They're exactly. the ones who channel. Exactly. Um, so pretty intense. Were these, uh, um, t- tell me these creatures again. I apologize. The mere draws. They're the also called draws. fades. If that's easier for fade, you. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. I remember yeah. fade from, from the, uh, yeah, from I don't, the I don't remember what season. they called them in season one. Exactly. They're fades, mere draws. I think there's another name for them too. Uh, but they're one of the things I like about the world building of wheel of time is like different regions of the world will have different names for the same thing. Sure. Yeah. And so mere draw is like the proper name for them, but okay. Random is that the scientific, the, the binomial Latin name? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, so the Mirdrals, those were the same Mirdrals, so they just weren't killing them. They were wounding them, but they, they kept re-animating. Uh, no, if you slice the head off, yeah. they die. But okay. if you don't, then they can't. Then they can't. Because it wasn't until that- the other Aes Sedai came that they actually seemed to functionally yeah. defeat them i think there were multiple i think that was a problem there were more oh, really? than they could handle okay all right yeah that's what i dark. read that as the screener i don't know if it's a screeners if they'll change it on in production but it was a very dark it was hard to it follow was. some of what was going on it was so. i had to blast my brightness <laughs> yeah um cool battle great great special effects great uh action i'm looking forward to more of this kind of stuff it was really I liked the suspense and the tension. We knowing that Moraine, you know, not only is she not connected to her warder, right, which puts her at a big t- right. tactical disadvantage, which she is not used to, right? That um, she can she is mortal now. She can be hurt. She can be wounded. Mm-hmm. She can be you know taken out yeah. by these creatures. And so it really felt the the danger level mm-hmm. here with this. Well, remember, so, Moiraine was injured last season, too, because one of the rules is you can't heal yourself. 
as right. an Aes Sedai. Right. Cannot heal yourself. But she is with other Aes Sedai, so we know that they'll be healed up for next episode. But it also gives us a good um, insight into the fact that even without her power, she's a wily tactician. Yeah. She right? was able to she was able to fight. Yep. And she did this little thing with her foot in the dirt. I'm not sure what that was, but whatever mm. sort of tactical, uh, you know, stratagem. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, I appreciated all that. And at the fact that at the end, both her and Lan end up pretty injured just goes to the gives you the uh, power scale for these enemies. Yeah. Right. So Mirdral are extremely powerful. Yeah. They just are. They're terrifying. Uh, it's it's basically the, the idea is if you have a bunch of Trollocs and an Aes Sedai, Aes Sedai might make it out. If you have a Mirdral, one Mirdral, that's already a fair fight. You mm-hmm. know, like that's that's already very scary. Okay. Do you are the Mirdrals? Do they look like you uh, want them to look from your own imagination in the books? Yeah, um, I I really didn't think that much about their faces because they're kind of not described in detail. Just okay. that they, you know, there's basically no face, there's basically no eyes or whatnot. Uh-huh. Um, and they always have the hoods up when they're talking to people, but they can talk in the books, which is something that I I don't see happening in the show with these guys. Right. Uh, but they can like sort of like the Black Riders can talk and the Nazgul can talk in the the Lord of the Rings, right? Right, right. Um, you're not really going to hear it very often, but it can happen. Okay. The um, When uh, uh, the one I said, I, and I apologize her name too, um, who's uh, weaving, she mm-hmm. weaves some fire magic. And, Seems like it. Uh, it's red. The, the weave is red and it goes yep. as it goes down to the thing. Yep. So again, they're being, and then when uh, Moraine is thinking that, you know, she's starting to get a little bit of weave action going, it's kind of a greenish tinge to it. So mm-hmm. uh, I think, you know, after having this conversation, I'm going to start paying attention a lot more to the weave and to the colors that we're going here. Cause I think it's just a, it's a, I'm just going to nerd out on it a little bit. I think it's a cool detail to, to have. Yeah. I like it. I like it. It's, yeah. um, it's cool. The channel is looking a lot better this season. I think they are hinting that Moiraine is starting to have this bit like maybe she's not fully cut off here. Mm-hmm. Right. Yep. Now, is she going to get in trouble if she starts weaving again? Why would she get in trouble? Didn't she get it taken away from her or did she? she no, the dark oath. one did it. The dark one. Oh, did it. whoa. Wait. Okay. So cut now off I'm at the end of the season. Yeah. Okay. I, I, um, that is a detail I forgot because I thought she, it no, the oath when, rod was you can't yes. come back to Tarvalon. That's what it was. Okay. That's what she swore on. And that's the same thing that they use for the three oaths, you know. Right. Don't use the power as a weapon. Don't speak right, an untrue right, right. word. They, blah, blah, blah. Right. Um, cool. Yeah. Okay. Wow. So, so this <laughs> that, that was a that was a lot, right? There's a lot of names. There's a lot of places, a lot of characters. Uh, my brain feels like it's going to explode because we have Foundation and Ahsoka and, and this. But at least uh, we're doing this in mid-August and not all in one day. Yes, it's true. Yeah, we have. Thank gosh. Thank. Thank. Well, just thankfully. Thank Prime. <laughs> thank you for for getting this, you know, arranging our screeners because it is going to save our brains. So. I am happy we have them. And uh, <laughs> you know what else I'm happy for, David, though, is that we got plenty for? of content coming, and I think it's time we talk about it. That sounds like a good plan to me. So I'm yes. sure that some people are going to be marathoning this and some people are going to be spacing this out. But we are recording this 
August 18th. So if you are hearing things that may not <laughs> still hold true as far as when things are coming out, sorry. But the same, the main idea will be there. The main shows we're covering will be there. Our monthly podcast will be there. And uh, Alicia and Maester Anthony stuff will be there. So let's talk about our affiliates first. We've got Alicia doing her wool shift dust feed going through Dune, as we mentioned before. She's doing a, a read through of a couple of the books. She is doing uh, some video game talk and she's talking about the Dune movie that never happened. That's one of the things she's covering, yep. as well as the 2021 Dune. And she's going to get you really prepped for Dune Part 2 coming out later this year. So check that out on the Wool Shift Dust Feed. You can find that in the show notes. Properly Howard Movie Review, on the other hand, is having a raucous good time, as the kids say. <laughs> and uh, I can't listen to this episode, these podcasts in public because I start laughing out loud and I look like a weirdo. Yes, and, it's true. Uh, they're very funny. They're very funny. Um you, you, this is coming out September 1st, so the next thing coming out is The Wolfman. Uh, they're they're covering remakes, so this is a remake of a movie called The Wolfman. This one came out in 2010. They just covered RoboCop, the remake, that came out in 2014. Uh, coming up, they've got The Wicker Man, The Departed. You, you got plenty of stuff happening here. I, I It's a great time. We should make mention, too, that Anthony and Steve work in seasons, right? So they'll, they'll chunk out a, a group of podcasts, movies, topics, whatever. And for this this new season, uh, with our you know within our sort of um, uh, mutual podcast support uh, organization or whatever you want to call us, they decided that they wanted alliance. To do, alliance. There you go. <laughs> I like that. Um, they decided they wanted to do remakes this season. So you know, next season it may be a different thematic element for the for the movies. And the thing I will say about any of these movies be it White Man Can't Jump or RoboCop or Cape Fear, you don't have to have seen either the original or the remake to enjoy these podcasts because Steve and Anthony are funny, they're affable, and they talk about a lot of pop culture nonsense. So if you just like a rambling good conversation, then this is a podcast for you. Yeah, it's great. It's a good, great time. Uh, on the Lorehounds main feed, if you are listening to this, because remember, we're posting this on both our main feed, our Firehose feed, and our Wheel of Time specific feed. So if you're only getting Wheel of Time stuff, you're missing out on a lot. Uh, head over to our Firehose feed, which you can also find on the show notes. Uh, that's going to have Foundation Season 2, which we are getting towards the end of, but not quite Oof. there yet. It's been a good uh, season. It, has, it been has been a good season. season. Yeah. Yeah, much better than season one. Excellent. And I think hopefully that's that's a theme here between yes. the Wheel of Time and Foundation. Yes. We have a good content runway for the next few years. If if yeah. the, as long as the strike and as long as the, the AMPTA can pull its head out of its nether regions and you know you know, get into a good agreement with the actors and the writers, mm. we have some nice content, nice juicy content in the future for us. Yeah. Well, the wheel weaves. Anyway, uh, <laughs> Ahsoka is going strong as well. If you want other weekly coverage, we're covering the show on Disney Plus. I haven't seen it yet because this is mid-August, but I it looks great from the trailers. Dude, I just watched the trailer today. Did you see that one with the, I the fight? It looks oh, really good. Rosario really Dawson good. was just exceptional, exquisite. I was so I was jumping out of my chair in my office at home, like screaming. Yep. It was crazy. Yep. 
So I was like the, what's the guy? What's that meme? I'm doing it on the screen. You can. Yeah, 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 yeah. (laughs) Jazz hands. Yes. No, no. Who's the person who's doing it? It's uh, uh, one particular actor. Anyway, I'm I'm screaming and and holding my hands, shaking my hands next to my head. Yep. That meme. Yeah. So it it looks great. I'm really hoping it's great. Of course, you can get all of these podcasts as early as possible because some of these have embargoes, but as early as possible by joining our Patreon, as well as exclusive podcasts like Second Breakfast and Shireside Chats. Uh, You get them ad free on there. And our top patrons, our $10 patrons, are our lore masters. And we like to give them a thank you every single episode. David, hit me up with the list. Yeah. Samartian, Cyrus, Mark H., Michelle G., Michael, uh, sorry, Michael G., Michelle E., my apologies, David W., Brian P., Nick W., SC, Peter O. H., Bettina W., Adam S., Nancy M, Lavinia T, Duve 71, Brian 8063, Frederick H, Sarah L, Gareth C, Eric F, Matthew M, Sarah M, DJ Miwa, Andra B, Kwang Yu, Laura G, Dead Eye, Jedi, Bob, and Nathan T. Thank you all so very much. You know, John, as I look over this list, I just realized that for for some of these people, they've been with us for a while now. Yeah. And it just yeah. it is really nice to have this core group of folks who make sure that we can keep the lights on and the bits flowing over here at, at Lorehound Central. So Absolutely. Thank the you. wheel turning, the wheel of time the, the turning, weave, you know? Yes. Yeah. The, it keeps the water in the wheel. Um, I'm not going to, I'm not going to belabor this metaphor <laughs> too much, but also to our, our lore fiend and our lore, um, hounds, yep. hounds. Thank you. Uh, this was a long podcast. Um, our lore hounds. Thank you for all of your support because everybody who does, subscribe to our Patreon. It means a lot to us to know that we are developing a community and that, that folks are appreciating the the kind of content that we're producing. Absolutely. Thank you all. Cool. Now, if you are on the Patreon, this is going to drop minutes before the next episode. So we are going to put these all out on the same time relatively in the wee hours of the morning on September 1st (laughs) when we can. If you're on the public feed, they're going to be a few hours spaced apart because that's just, it helps the public feed a lot. Yeah. So if you want these earlier, of course, patreon.com slash the lorehounds. Unless there's anything else, David. No. I'll see you for episode two, which everyone will be watching shortly. Sounds good. I'm excited. The Lorehounds podcast is produced and published by the Lorehounds. You can send questions, feedback, and voicemails at thelorehounds.com slash contact. Get early and ad-free access to all our episodes at patreon.com slash the lorehounds. Any opinions stated are ours personally and do not reflect the opinion of or belong to any employers or other entities. A new Star Wars journey begins in the place all good journeys begin. At, well, the beginning. This Star Wars Day, I'm excited to introduce the new Star Wars Canon Timeline Podcast, where we will piece together the complete story of that galaxy far, far away, in timeline order, from the dawn of the Jedi through the great unknown following the sequel trilogy. This is a podcast for both Star Wars superfans and complete newbies. Listen to the short intro episode now to hear how it works and what to expect over the coming weeks as we set the stage for the new television series, The Acolyte, which we will be covering with weekly breakdowns. Subscribe to the Star Wars Canon Timeline podcast wherever you listen to take part in one of the most epic and expansive stories ever told, following all the twists and turns from start to finish. May the fourth be with you all, all month, 
and beyond.